This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 20. In May, our Zebra Review contest was all about botanicals. Today, we feature two of those winners and hear them discuss how they achieved their winning results. We also spend some time chatting with them about hand-painting designs on furniture. We'll hear a refinishing tip from Candy with Orchids True Blue, and we'll check in with Deanne with Wild Home Vintage, Katie with Sincerely Katie, and Laura with Redhead Refinishings to find out what they're working on in their studios this week. And you'll hear a Did You Know segment on Art Deco Furniture. As always, continue listening to the end as we have exciting announcements and contests that we know you'll be eager to learn. Stay with us. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. The Zebra Review brings you exciting and challenging monthly contests, and for May, as we just mentioned, our theme was botanicals. We had great entries, and the judges narrowed it down to three winning pieces that really captured the theme in its entirety. Let's dive into our interview with these phenomenal refinishers. For first place, we have Georgina with Rhubar and Scandi. Second place goes to Heidi with Dingley Dell Creative. And third place goes to Anne Michelle with Amini Design Ashburn. Congratulations to all three of you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Unfortunately, Anne Michelle could not make it for the recording. She was not feeling well today, and she wanted to extend her regrets that she couldn't join us. She has been on before and is a pleasure to chat with. We're praying for you, uh, Anne Michelle. Hope you feel better soon. Well, we have two winners from across the pond this time. A big win for our refinishing friends in the UK. This is excellent. Thank you. Yeah, the UK is doing well. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Heidi, you live in England. What town do you live in? I live in Lancaster in Lancashire. That is a pretty good ways from London, isn't it? Oh, yes. Other side. Other, other end of the country, really. <laughs> it really is. Now, do you travel? Like, like if you were to drive, this must be. this might be a ridiculous question, but if you were to drive to London, how long would it take you, do you think? Four hours, maybe. Okay, well, that's not too bad. I guess it's it's so easy for me to put uh, distance in context to the United States. And if you were to drive from one, if you were to drive from the East Coast to the West Coast, it would take probably three days. <laughs> so, oh, right. Okay, yeah. 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 So do you uh, make it to, to London often? Not really, no. No, I'm a bit of a home bird. Yeah. I bet you've got a beautiful location there. Now, are you from Lancaster? Um, yeah, well, York originally, and then Lancaster now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I live very rural. Um, I live in the country. Um, there's a river on my doorstep and lots of woodland, so I'm, I'm really surrounded by nature. Oh, how nice. Uh, how mm. lovely. I bet you take a lot of walks and hikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, do a lot of that, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, so I guess my question was going to be, what do you like about living there? Is that is that it, that you get to live in the nature? Yeah, I mean, literally, I open my front door and there's a woodland. Mm. Um, so I start my day every day with a walk with the dog, and it's just invigorating. No matter what season, because everything changes all the time, and you notice little um, growth or the dying back and the changes in colour and the animals. It's just lovely. Yeah. How nice. It's like I say often to a lot of the guests that live in these beautiful places, you live in a postcard. Yeah, it is quite a chocolate box. Chocolate <laughs> box postcard, yeah. Exactly. So what's the weather like there today? Oh, it's beautiful. It's really hot. Is yeah, it? Yeah, we're having a good day. 
Um, so yeah, it's good. It's not raining. It's sunny. Yeah, it's nice. What's what would you say this time of year is the percentage of rain versus sun? Oh gosh, we get a lot of rain in the north. Oh, I don't know. If you get two or three days a week of sunshine, you're pretty lucky. Yeah, I guess that's what makes everything so lush and green, isn't it? Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, but summer rain's lovely anyway. It's different to winter rain, isn't it? Because it's so fresh. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. So, Georgina, you also live in the UK. What part do you live in? I do, yeah. So, um, we uh, we live in Devon. But um, we moved here right at the start of the pandemic. In fact, it was the first week of the UK lockdown, so that was um, that was really scary. But um, yeah. but we we didn't know anyone here, and uh, we just kind of we just kind of went for it. And and Devon is it's beautiful. We are um, very much like Heidi. We're very rural, so we're in a real kind of farming community. Um, but we're also kind of really close to the moors and to the beaches and um yeah it's just fabulous now to put devon in context is it more it's in the south it is yeah southwest so i was in the southeast i was about 45 minutes from london uh and then yeah moved down to the southwest and um we're kind of um we have like our own kind of weather system here so the weather is is changeable very very quickly um Mm. it tends to be quite wet but at the moment i'm looking at my window and it is glorious sunshine and it's wonderful so um yeah a bit like Heidi it rains a lot um uh, in the southwest as it does up in the north but um yeah it makes it lush and beautiful and everything grows and um you know it is it's a lovely part of the country well, it sounds like uh, at least today, from the north to the south, the UK <laughs> is getting sun. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, you know, I make a big deal about the weather here on the podcast, and I think probably most people know that I love the sun. <laughs> it's a glorious thing, as you guys have said. Now, I have to ask this question. Are you, do you guys ever watch the show Father Brown? No. No. Okay, well, here in the United States, uh, through the PBS, you know, you can watch different types of British shows. And Father Brown is a sort of a mystery, light mystery show that um, airs on PBS, and it takes place in the UK. And I always, I'm always curious is how much of what you see on a show like Father Brown is really true to what you see in England, what that's what it's like <laughs> living in England, because now, of course, this takes place not in, in, uh, you know, 2021, it takes place probably in the, maybe the forties and he's always riding his bike. And what I love about it is just the quaintness, the ability to ride from village to village and on these beautiful, you know, streets and the big trees and the villages. It's just, man, that's just so beautiful. Yeah. So what about you, Heidi? Do you do you have a bike? Do you ride around in uh, in the villages? Yeah, but it's really hilly. So mm. um you get a workout. <laughs> yeah, well my daughter keeps me fit. She gets me going on bike rides and runs, but um yeah, I, I enjoy walking more than riding bikes. I like going up the hills and finding woods and things. Well, I've enjoyed uh, this part of our conversation for sure. You guys have sort of taken us into your postcards, and we enjoy that. Well, let's let's dive into these botanical winning pieces. Listening friends, after we hear their refinishing details, we'll take a short break, 
And then we'll pop back on to have a panel discussion between Heidi and Georgina on the topic of hand painting designs on furniture. Again, we're so sorry Anne Michelle could not join us, but we wanted to share a little about her winning nightstands. She painted the base in Wondrous by Country Chic Paint and then added a mixture of With a Twist and Sunday Tea. She also incorporated a transfer by Redesign with Prima, and she states, This sweet set of nightstands was created with messages of hope, love, and bravery to acknowledge and honor those that fight or fought cancer. Not sure she has sold them yet, but the proceeds from the sale go to charity. Beautiful job, Anne Michelle. Congratulations on winning third. If you want to follow Anne Michelle, her account on Instagram is Amini Design Ashburn. Heidi, you took on hand painting a secretary. You won second place. We're excited to hear how you arrived at these beautiful results. Why don't you share the details with us? Oh, gosh. Well, with that piece in particular, um, I was going to paint it black originally. Um, and then... Every time I, I opened the tin of paint, it just screamed burgundy at me. So I started with burgundy as a point. And then um, on one of my daily walks in the woods, um, there was nettles and buttercups and things. And I thought, oh, I wonder how it would be if I was to use homeopathic remedies. But on the, on the unit, so they were all intertwined. And then I started looking into homeopathic remedies, natural remedies and, and flowers and the herbs and how they look. And I thought I could just make this kind of mystical vine, really, of healing herbs. So that's where I started. That was my starting point. So it started with a walk in the woods and seeing the nettles and the buttercups and already knowing the natural remedies for those things. And then I took it from there. And when you got this piece... Was it in good structural condition? Yeah, um, yeah, all the drawers were in smooth. Um, I took it had a glazed panel on the front, so I took those off because I wanted the bookcase to be open. I think sometimes when you're adding a lot of detail, the, the doors can get in the way. So I, I opened that up, filled the hole. Um, and yeah, they, structurally, it's great. So I didn't have to do a lot really apart from sanding and, you know, cleaning and prep. And So you painted the base burgundy mm-hmm. um, and then do you uh, and we'll talk about this in detail when we talk about hand painting designs on furniture in a little bit but for this piece how did you lay it out like where did you know where to start and mm-hmm. you obviously freehanded this I would yeah. assume yeah so I'll work in my sketchbook first of all and I'll just do the design separately so if I feel inspired to do a certain flower I'll do all of that separately and then the actual fine that goes up, I'll map that out with a piece of chalk just so that I get the feeling of the piece and how it's going to flow. And then I will just freehand add the flow flowers in. Wow. That's, uh, that's a lot of work. How long did it take you to complete this? Yeah, just over two weeks. Oh. And I work full time. And my workshop is at home, which is great. But when the kids go to bed at night, I find that if I'm mid-project, I'll go back down into the workshop and I can be down there till way past midnight. It just depends on the project that I'm doing, really. Yeah. So you said two weeks. Are you working on other projects in between this or are you just really hone in? Yeah, no, I just I focus on that. Yeah, I guess we're all different in how we're, we uh, work, but it, I would think it would be hard to work on this and have to stop and work on other pieces, especially a really creative piece like this where you're incorporating so much freehand detail and inspiration from your walks and the different herbs that are out there. Yeah, yeah. Wow. 
Now, what about the colors that you incorporate? Are these pretty, do you try to stay true to the herb itself? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, in this case, sometimes on some of the pieces, I'll go quite um, bold or bright or and not stay true to the flower itself, but just go with the actual uh, design. But on this piece, I did try and stay as close as possible. But obviously, I have to tone it all in together as well. So I kind of muted some shades as well. Yeah. Okay, so you've put the, the burgundy base down, then you uh, sketch out uh, in your book, and then you do some chalk work on the piece to get everything sort of positioned, then you start painting it. What mm -hmm. about, how do you protect it? Do you just lay a top coat, a couple top coats on top of all of this? Yeah, so um, I used a wax finish on this one, mm -hmm. um, but that can vary. Yeah. What type of paint uh, is the base? Is uh, is it a chalk paint? It's a chalk paint. Chalk yeah. paint, got it. Very mm -hmm. good. And is this your piece or did you sell it? It's up for sale at the moment. Oh, okay. Well, I can't imagine it staying up for sale very long. <laughs> it's a, a really unique and beautiful in so many ways. Um, you. you know, unfortunately, I'm looking at uh, two things. I'm looking at the, the front view, and I'm looking at a close-up, but I don't see a side view. Yeah. Did you also paint? Uh, on yes. the, did you freehand design on the side as well? Yeah, so generally... Um, I do like to, I like to use it as if it's a wraparound, as if yeah. it's grown naturally up the piece of furniture. Yeah. And as we know, nature does, doesn't stop, so it just goes <laughs> all right. the way around. So, uh, I, yeah, I try and go all the way around if I can. Uh, I love that. I love the authenticity of this piece. Heidi, if you would, describe your style for us. Whimsical? I don't know, really, because it does change as well, and it is changing all the time. I, I wouldn't want to put me in a box quite folk art. I, I really enjoy folk art. Um, yeah, probably just that, really. Well, so whimsical and folk art. How long have you been refinishing furniture? Full-time, um, for about three years now. Do you see a, a big transition from when you first started in the style yeah. and designs? Do you really? Yeah, and I think, I think the more I do and the more I create authentically from my heart, I think the more confident I get that it's not just a silly idea that I shouldn't do, you know, and the more I actually bring it out and do it, the more confidence I get in, in what I'm producing, really. Yeah. Wow, that's excellent. Well, beautiful work, Heidi. Congratulations on winning second. Oh, thank you. Share your Instagram account with our listeners so they can follow you if they're not already. Yeah, okay. So you can find me on Instagram at Dingley Dell Creative. Excellent. Georgina, this is a big piece, and you won first place. Got to mm -hmm. share the details of this. Oh, goodness. Um, okay, what would you like to know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I want to just throw this out, first of all, since a lot of people are working while they listen, and some folks are actually driving, describe what it is. Uh, it's a wardrobe, um, but just give the details of what it looks like so people can put it in their mind and then go check it out later if they're not able to right now. Okay, so it's a so it's a large wardrobe. Uh, so it's got two doors, and um, it's got the most beautiful uh, walnut wood grain on the front of the doors. Um, and and when I got it, it needed some work doing to it. It wasn't perfect, but um, I knew that that wood grain was going to be amazing. It just needed a little bit of love. Um, and then 
on the front of the wardrobe doors, I've hand painted a blossom tree. Um, and, and that was kind of just done freehand. There's lots of texture to it. Um, and then for the petals, I've actually used real hydrangea petals, uh, which I dried and then I, I affixed onto the, onto the, the branches and, and then sealed. And I've also added in some other kind of bits of foliage. So there's some ferns and there's some grasses. Um, and I've also, put in a few insects as well so there's two butterflies uh, and then there's also a ladybug as well um, and then the actual uh, kind of the exterior of the wardrobe other than the doors is kind of a really lovely kind of charcoal like black um, it's not black but it's just off black um, and it's a very matte finish to it the legs are a beautiful Queen Anne style and then as you open the wardrobe, you just are greeted with the most beautiful glowing gold. Um, and I really wanted that kind of, I wanted that wow factor so that not only when you saw the wardrobe, um, I wanted when you open up those doors that it really kind of glowed. Um, and I think I achieved that, you know, it, it really was, you know, it really reflected the light as you, as you open the doors. It's a really good idea what you did on the inside because you definitely achieved the wow factor on the outside. And I think a lot of times when you see a piece like this, you're sort of captivated by it, but you, you don't expect to get that second wow mm. on the inside of a piece like this. So that was, that's excellent decisions there. Now, this is like, uh, Heidi was talking about taking a walk in the woods. This, <laughs> this is like taking a walk in the woods as well. You both yeah. really achieved that, bringing nature into the, the design process and the creative process and to be able to, to implement that in your pieces just phenomenally. Yeah, I think, um, I think nature, I think a bit like with, with Heidi, I think nature is a huge, um, inspiration. I, I think for many artists actually in, in the UK, because there is so much around. So for me, especially, I, I really take inspiration from it. So do you like Heidi? Do you also sketch out before you start? How, what's your process is in implementing? So I've had this idea in my brain for, for many years actually. Um, and, and so how I tend to do my design designs is I know exactly how it's going to be in my head. I, I, I struggle to kind of get that down onto a physical kind of piece of paper, but I've started to use, I've started to use my iPad and I use Procreate. So I will kind of put the photo of the image or of the, the piece of furniture, you know, onto the, onto the program. And then I will just start layering up those, those different effects to create, to create that design. Um, and I find that's really effective because, um, you know, I, I forever kind of rubbing things out and, and re redoing things if I if I do it on paper but I find actually doing it digitally and, and having the different layers I find it can be a really effective tool if you're kind of not too sure about doing things on paper straight away I and mean, I would imagine it's pretty difficult you know work both of you worked on pretty large pieces I don't know I can't imagine doing it just totally with no planning involved <laughs> you know to to not be able to lay it out and see how it's going to flow and, and be incorporated from top to bottom and the ability to see it like that uh, digitally, I bet you really get excited once you see it coming together and you probably can't wait to get to the refinishing process. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's really lovely to to see. And I had this idea on originally, and I didn't know whether I was going to do it on a sideboard or on the wardrobe. So, and actually, I'd already 
drawn out a similar uh, design on, on a sideboard and it, it didn't work and I, and I knew it didn't work straight away. So I think it can be really helpful to, you know, when you are refinishing to have that practice first and to actually really see it there in black and white or colour before you pick up your paintbrushes um, because, you know, you don't want to keep kind of going re- going over things. So, yeah, it, it's really once you see that design and you know it works and you can see that wow factor to it, it's really exciting and and then you do really just want to pick up those paintbrushes um and and get started but you've got the dreaded prep to do first (laughs) which we all know is is the least exciting part of the job but you know you've got to do it and if you do it right then you know it will pay off but um yeah it it took a it took a long long time to um to prep this one as well for me because i'd kind of ummed and ahed about doing gold leaf but i'm not so good at gold leafing so i um i had to scrap that idea yeah, I kind of, I, I drawn it out, um, you know, on with pencil. I'd actually then drawn out the, you know, the design of the tree. And, and after that, it was very much an, quite an organic process where I just kept adding um, just different layers and textures and, and different colours until it kind of looked right for me. What did you have to do to the piece to get it ready for your drawing and, and painting? So first of all, um, I, I cleaned it and I sanded it down, and and with those fronts of the of the doors, I I stripped off the varnish with a with a varnish stripper, um, or a paint stripper, um, and and that kind of gave me a really good idea as to to what was underneath, because because the varnish was quite discoloured and marked, so I I didn't really know how great the grain was going to be underneath until all that varnish had come off. After that, I gave it a really really good sand and and then I primed and then I got round to the actual painting and and there are several kind of products that I use which I find are, are really nice for for the effect that I was going for um, different varnishes to really make that that wood pop so yeah it's quite a process and and sometimes it's quite difficult to know which part to do first it's almost like you have to layer up with these pieces so you 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 know you might start on the inside and then you've got to put the doors on to then do the outside and then you've got to take the doors off again so it's quite a process and you've got to get that kind of quite clear in your head I don't know if you get that Heidi as well where you've always got to kind of plan it out really to to figure out what's going to go where in which order yeah I think as well when you when you're doing the prep sometimes your plan can change because the piece dictates it so you'll have an original idea and even if you've done the plan when it comes down to the prep you'll think that just doesn't actually work you need to change it and it's almost like you're really getting to know that piece like it's a friend you're taking it back to the bare bones you're getting to know its character and then you're building it back up again yeah definitely that's a great way to put it, you know, get really getting to know the piece and the prep because, <laughs> Georgina, as you said, so many talk about the difficulties and challenges of just getting through the prep because if you're really creative, you're just wanting to create on the piece and you've got to get through that prepping stage. But uh, getting to know the piece, uh, that, that I think that helps, you know, uh, in, in the process. Now, you have incorporated the painting the hand painting design that you mentioned earlier that you incorporated the real portions of the hydrangea tell yeah. us about that are you drying these i 
I have a I have like a little factory going on at the moment. <laughs> you do. Yeah. So um, and and I'm buying more plants and putting them in my garden and waiting for them to flower. So um, yeah, I had the idea to use real flowers, real um foliage and things for for many years. Um, and I don't know anyone else who's done it. And I've scoured the internet looking for people to see if anyone else has. And so I really wanted to try it. But it, it took quite a while to to find a process that really worked and to make sure that the petals didn't discolour. So I, I have boxes and boxes of these petals that I've been drying. Um, and I'm going to be doing a whole collection with different types of flowers and, and different designs. Um, but the hydrangeas are definitely my favourite to work with. They've got like a real paper consistency to them, a feel to them. Uh, mm. And they're, they're not too delicate either. You can be quite rough with them and and you don't need to worry about, you know, tearing them. They're quite robust. Um, and they give just a lovely texture. And, and what's so beautiful is you can see the veins running through the petals. And there are so many variations of colours as well, which I think, again, nature is so wonderful for showing us um, how just that it's like almost looking like at mermaid scales when I look at these these petals um, the variations in the colours and um, yeah they're, they're really it's a really lovely medium to work with and I'm hooked 100% I'm hooked and um, I just my brain is going into overdrive as to what new little creations I can make so it's a really exciting thing to to have tried and to for it to kind of be successful and, and for it to work. Well, accolades to you in stepping uh, out beyond the sort of the the traditions of painting and creativity to incorporate this onto furniture. And because I love when you're talking about, we're looking at, uh, or I'm looking at a close-up of these petals. And I, I love the fact that the, there's imperfections in them. Mm. Um, I think that's just it's really unique, and uh, as you said, you can see the the all the lines and the imperfections, the veins running through them, and the color. It's amazing the color that uh, that comes out in these these dried flowers. It's it's really quite beautiful, and I want to say to our listening friends, you have to make sure that you go out to enjoyzebra.com. You click on the podcast, you can scroll to the bottom and click on podcast because there you'll see these pieces highlighted on the podcast page. You'll also be able to, and they'll share, as Heidi shared, uh, Georgina will share this as well, uh, their Instagram accounts, but all of their information is out there and you'll be able to just to simply click from those links and go straight to their Instagram accounts. But you have to see what's done uh, on all three of these pieces, whether it's Anne Michelle's, Heidi's, or Georgina's because these are just tremendous uh, furniture pieces that they have uh, created that are so unique. Now, you have to tell me, what is at the bottom? You've incorporated the hydrangea at the bottom, but then it looks like there's some grasses. Yeah, that's right. So so with the kind of hydrangeas at the bottom, I just wanted to, I, I, it's almost like the petals are just falling from the tree. Um, and, and then with the grasses, I just, I wanted to kind of just add just some more um some more texture and just something to fill that void but not too not too blocky not too you know i didn't want it again to detract from that beautiful wood so um i added some ferns at the base of the tree um and then i also just added some grasses and there's a there's a butterfly um flying through and that's a real butterfly flying through um through kind of near the grasses as well and and again it, it's just kind 
kind of trying to to kind of show it grounds it i just feel it it needed something at the bottom there um just to kind of just to, yeah just to to kind of ground it and and make it a little bit more top and bottom it tells a bit more of a of a story i think it almost has sort of a fairy tale uh, yeah. appeal to it which which is nice it's, it's, it gives it sort of the wispy um inviting it, it's, it's interesting because it makes you want to open the wardrobe up oh good <laughs> Yeah, good, good. I, yeah. I hope it does. Um, yeah. And again, with the kind of with the feet, I've kind of added just a tiny little bit of gold there. So, you know, it, it's trying to tie everything in so that when you then do open, open it, you get that beautiful gold. What did you top coat it with? Was there anything different that you did? And did you have to do extra layers? I did a lot of layers. Yeah, I did. So individually with the flowers, I, I used, um, I used a varnish and I, I went over those an awful lot, especially where the edges of the petals, I was concerned it could potentially catch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it, it, it's quite a, yeah, there's quite a few layers, um, on those particular bits. And then I used Osmo, uh, PolyX, um, and, and that's just like a refinishing oil slash varnish. It is a varnish, but it really is is beautiful for for kind of wood grain and it really uh, makes it shine and just mm-hmm. um it gives it that beautiful luster i think yeah it, it, and you mentioned this earlier but it, you were really uh, focused on making sure that the colors of the flowers did not change or turn uh it, it looks like from what i can see in the photographs that they're very authentic They've done really, really well. They've, um, I, I've dried them, um, you know, very carefully. Um, and in fact, I wasn't so careful with the. Um, I did a different, a slightly different way of doing um, the the ferns. Um, and actually, before I sold the piece, um, I touched up the ferns and I did actually, I actually painted over them um, because I wasn't happy that they had discolored slightly. Um, so, so I, I feel that the petals have held up very very well and i think they will continue to hold up well but i have advised the you know the new new owner to not place it in direct sunlight and and as you would with all painted pieces uh, or pieces of art or you know soft furnishings you know direct sunlight is not our friend so you've got to you've got to look after your pieces um it was kind of a bit of a trial by error to ensure that um those colors really stayed have you seen where your um client placed the uh this piece in their home i have yes so my client um she actually owns a french chateau or it's a a manoir um and it's 17th century and it is a fairy tale home (laughs) what you can imagine it would be like and um she doesn't live there they don't live there it's going to be their home that they retire in but they're it's their holiday home and um Uh i'm actually going to be going out in august and we're going to be going to stay in the chateau um so i'm going to be able to actually then place because at the moment the wardrobe has been placed at the bottom of the stairs because there's a very very big spiral staircase to take it up and because I know the wardrobe and I know it inside out I didn't want anyone to unwrap it and take the doors off to to take some weight off it Mm -hmm. Um, I just didn't want anyone I didn't want to risk that and they offered and said would you like to come and stay Um, no one's there so it would just be you guys and you can have a holiday and I think gosh after the year we've all had 
um, it'll be really lovely to stay. So we're going to be going in August and I will be placing it in its in its new bedroom and hopefully taking lots of beautiful photos of of the wardrobe in situ. And, and it is very much kind of fairy tale like. So it will be very special. Well, how nice. You make sure you take photos of where you position it and uh, yes. post them because we want to see that. That's going to be Absolutely. Well, describe your style for us, Georgina. I, uh, I have a very confusing style, very eclectic. <laughs> I don't quite know what my style is. My style is what's ever in my, it's how I feel. It's in my brain and it's in my heart. And, and I think it's softening as uh, I'm kind of developing as an artist um, and, and I'm becoming a little bit more ethereal and whimsical, but I also like those really bold, bonkers, colourful, in-your-face pieces as well. I suppose what I really like to create is statement pieces. Mm -hmm. So that can be either very soft and and beautiful, or it can also be really colourful and punchy. But as long as it's the main focus in the room, that's all I care about. Well, I think you definitely achieved that on this piece. Thank you. That's excellent. Thank well, congratulations you. on winning first place. Lovely Thank you job so all much. around. Yeah. Share your Instagram account with our listeners, Georgina. Uh, so it's called Rhubar and Scandi. Excellent. Support for Zebra's Before and After comes from Zebra, the brush company that produces application-specific paintbrushes that will literally change your paint life. Whether you are painting a room, creating a craft, or refinishing a furniture piece, Zebra has you covered. Each one of our thoughtfully designed brushes has a specific purpose in mind, and each one is packed with unique and proprietary filaments that are smaller in diameter, allowing us to give you 25% more filament pack out than your standard brush. That translates to smooth finishes and fun brushing. Zebra brushes give you the opportunity to fill your work and guide it to your desired destination. Enjoy and paint on. It's time for our Zebra panel discussion. Today's topic among our Zebra Review May winners is hand painting designs on your furniture. This is a great topic and a new one for us on the podcast. So I'm excited to give you guys the opportunity. There are so many facets and talents required when refinishing furniture. And when you get into hand painting, it's another incredibly creative talent to incorporate. We're eager to hear from the experts on this. So let's get the conversation going. And I want to start with a question for you both. And that question is this. Have you both always hand painted designs on your furniture? Oh, gosh, no, absolutely not. No. Uh, for, for me, um, I, I, I didn't think I had the skills. Um, <laughs> and um, no, when I first started refinishing, it was um, no, it was just uh, one color finish. And, and, and that was good. And I was happy with that. But I think as I've developed, um, I've got that confidence now that I'm willing to, to try new things. Um, so, so no, uh, definitely not for me what about you Heidi yeah so I've always wanted to and I've always been inspired by um kind of gypsy folk art and uh, long narrow boats down the down the river and things and um but didn't think there was really a market for it so what I would do is I would do three plain pieces and then give myself the luxury of painting a detail piece and then that's gradually just increased over time. So I would do the plain pieces, but in my heart, be wanting to do um, floral designs or adding some kind of that element to it. Yeah, so that just gradually increased over time. And the more I've done it, the more confidence 
It's um, Conta. Heidi, do you paint on canvas as well, or is it just strictly furniture? No, it's just furniture at the minute. Um, but that is an idea that's kind of going round and around in my head. It's just how I would make that work, really. Yeah, that, those wheels are turning, aren't they, on the possibly going to canvas as well. What about you, Georgina? Now, you said that uh, hand painting on furniture, you were you didn't think you had the capability, so I'm assuming you've never attempted uh, painting on canvas? No, I haven't, but I, I am actually going to start doing that. I have loads and loads of boards that, not so not actually canvas, but wooden boards that um, I'm going to start creating uh, kind of smaller versions of, of what I've been doing with the petals and the hand painting. Um, I think that with, I think with hand painting and what you realise is actually, as long as you stick to your own individual style, then it, it, for some reason it just seems really authentic. And it, I, I don't know why. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. But I very much have my own style, which I've really discovered. Um, I did a very wacky piece a few years ago, and that was hand painted, and and that was just. I needed to get it all down on this on these chest of drawers and I had the most bonkers little designs and crazy flowers and there was kind of whales on there and there was little beetles and and I just wanted to get it all down onto these onto these chest of drawers and and I really made my technique and how I painted really authentic to myself and I just did what I felt like doing rather mm. than perhaps what we were taught in school or you know what you see on YouTube videos of how of how you paint so I just did it how I wanted to do it and I and that really gave me the taste and the confidence to be able to to know that actually it's okay if it's not perfect because it's in my style and and for some reason people People like that style and people buy into that style. So I would say that if you're wanting to to try hand painting, then be authentic to yourself and just experiment. And, and if it doesn't work, you can sand it back. And, you know, and, and, and we all make mistakes. I mean, gosh, I, I'm still making mistakes every single day and I'm sanding things back because it's not right. But it's all about discovering and it's a looseness that you have with your paintbrush when you hold it. It's just it's enjoying that process and just discovering what you can and can't do. I think also as well, when you're faced with a blank chest of drawers or what would be a blank canvas, in effect, you can have that idea in your head, but it just feels so intimidating. And of course, you've always got that if you if you refinish furniture as a living, um, you always have that in the back of your mind is who would buy that? Who's going to, you know, this is, but actually, if you just take it right back and just take a deep breath and just say, it's just paint, like, what is the worst that can happen? nothing and, and actually what is the possibility it's endless so that's when I feel sometimes um overwhelmed by a piece or I think oh god I can't, I can't do it I just can't do it who do I think I am to do this I just think well just paint I'm just going to do it it's just paint and and usually they're the best pieces when I when I do the pieces that aren't to sell but they come from a place of joy or inspiration or you know a really good don't know moment you just feel it you feel it when you do it and I think when you when, when you were talking about finding your own style Georgina we've all done that we've all looked at other artists whether they're furniture artists or other artists 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 and 
thought, oh, I really like that style or that design. Or, But actually what happens over time is you do just mm. start developing your own style so that it doesn't matter if someone's looking at your um, Instagram handle. They know it's you yeah. without even looking at your bio at the top to know it's you because they can see that that's authentically you coming through the piece. And I think that you just have to give yourself time with that. You can't rush that. Um, and comparisons are a thief of joy, isn't it? That's, what it's that's a great one of my things that I go back to a lot, but it really is. And you can look at other people's accounts, and especially now with social media, and you feel daunted. And sometimes that can stop you being creative. But actually, I think just take it back to the paintbrush and the paint and with you in your workshop or your garage space or your shed or your backyard or whatever, and just say, it's just me and the paint. It's like, what is the worst that can happen? And amazing things happen from that. They really do. And I really resonate with what you say when you say, oh, God, who do I think I am? You know, picking up this paintbrush and, mm-hmm. and thinking someone's going to buy it. Cause I, and I know my pieces, they take, a, they take a long time to sell. You know, normally I will sit on a piece mm-hmm. for six months. And at the, at the end of whenever yeah. I've finished a piece, I'll always say to my husband, well, do you know what? I really love it and I'll happily have it in our home. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I always create pieces that I'd be really happy to have in my own home. Um, and I always kind of, there's a slight pang of, oh God, please don't sell because, but I obviously I want it to sell, but equally I really, I always have, I'll always have that piece of my home and welcome it with open arms. Um, but, but they do sell mm. and, and, and it is daunting and you do think, you know, you've kind of almost have that imposter syndrome, don't you? Where you think, well, you know, why am I even doing this? No one is going to want it. But, but suddenly, surprisingly, someone does come along and they do understand what it is that you're trying to show and, and, and they get it. So, um, yeah, I, mm. I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think probably what, you know, hand-painted furniture is quite niche really, isn't it? It's mm. quite a niche market. So it's going to take time and it's going to take time for you to create your own style and create your own market. But don't you think that's something that's really starting to kind of take off? I think that, you know, upcycled furniture kind of five years ago was, you know, people were very much just wanting that really clean, fat, flat finish. And it was really just starting to come into its own. Whereas I think now we're kind of going through this amazing shift in people's perceptions of upcycled furniture and and it's not that dirty word anymore it's actually it's refinishing furniture and and having beautiful bespoke pieces of statement furniture in your home and and having something that's not off the rack you know people want people are and especially with the year that we've had people are looking around their homes and they want their homes to be places of like of the sanctuary almost of places of joy and relaxation and something that gives them a bit of hope and and i think now we're we're, we're shifting and and people want art pieces in their home it's not just practical solutions for storage it you you know, or something to sit on or something to sit at. It's now so much more than that. And, 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 and it's a really exciting industry, I think, to be part of. So I think hand painting is really starting to take off. And, and I think as artists become more confident, I think you're going to see more of it. And it's exciting. I agree. Yeah, I think it's really exciting. What do you think, Lane? What's it like over, over in the States? Are you, are you seeing a lot of it over there as well? You know, I think everyone has their own specific styles and you see a little bit of everything here in the U.S. I have noticed a lot of refinishers using uh, transfers and stencils. 
And I would imagine that will create even more interest in refinishers actually hand painting designs uh, on their pieces. I would think from a refinisher's point of view, the idea of hand painting designs may bring productivity concerns since it takes longer to do, uh, you know, that kind of detail work. And it goes without saying that uh, productivity is important in business. But I like what Heidi said earlier when she said, Heidi, you said maybe you do four um, very clean pieces and then maybe you do one that has more hand-painted designs on it. And that way you have things in motion. You're selling your pieces, but exploring those creative options as well. Yeah, although, as, sorry, as time goes on, I'm doing more and more hand-painting and less and less plain pieces. Um, but sometimes, yeah, I just I think well, I'll just do two or three plain pieces and then and then I really need to do a, a big piece where I just need to devote all my time to it. Yeah, I think that it's just it's it's such a cool thing and you guys have really emphasized this effectively. Is it's about really just not getting stressed over it. It's about relaxing, understanding that if you mess up you can sand it down, start over. You wanna get you wanna find your creativity, talents and where what your bents are so that as you're painting you're enjoying it. Because mm-hmm. if you enjoy it, then it's gonna show forth in your in your pieces. And as well to realize that it may not sell immediately. And just because it doesn't sell does not mean that it's not a success or that it that mm-hmm. it's not a great piece. Definitely, yeah. Now, Georgina, you, uh, you, you know, you're creating these pieces. How are you managing the, the business side of it, knowing that they don't sell quickly? I mean, as... How's that work for you? So when, um, so before I moved, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, up until kind of last year, um, you know, pre kind of COVID, um, I was working, I was doing commission after commission after commission. Um, and, and, and one of the things that I realized was, um, I was starting to not love refinishing um as much as i knew i should be um i'd kind of given up a previous career and and i put everything into this new business thinking this is going to be it i'm going to you know it's going to i'm going to go for it and i did and it became very very successful and i had a lot of commissions um but i found that the creativity very much was was left um you know left on the back bench um because it was very much what the customers wanted and i've worked with from some really lovely customers and clients but i've really felt that when i moved and i had a new workshop um i've got this beautiful light workshop that we've just had built um and, and i really wanted to take back control of my business and what i wanted to do um i still do commissions i'm very much like heidi in that i will maybe do three plain pieces or three commissions and then i'll do one creative piece um i've definitely had a shift in the amount of commissions that i'm having now but i'm kind of okay with that because actually really what i want to be doing is i want to be doing these really creative pieces all day long so uh, you know i i just go into my workshop and i'm there for however at many hours i feel like being and i don't feel that i have this pressure like i had when i was doing commissions previously you're very much on schedules you know you're you're having to ensure that everything is ready and packed before the courier arrives to collect your pieces to then ship them um and i just found that there wasn't so much enjoyment there anymore so i feel okay that my pieces take a while to sell obviously i'd love it if they 
was snapped up within 24 hours, but they don't. And, and I always say they'll sell. They will sell. I know they will. <laughs> um, and, and I've, I feel like I've got like that quiet confidence now where I trust the process. I know it will happen. I'm not very good at social media and kind of putting myself out there. And I think a lot of creatives struggle with that. Um, you know, the business side of things is really tough too. Cause again, I just want to paint. That's all I want to do. I don't want to have to sit and, you know, do up, up, you know, do my website and things like that. So I think it's, um, I've outsourced a few things like that now. Um, and I think that's really helped, um, you know, for me to be able to just focus on what I'm really good at doing and then give whatever else I'm not very good at doing to someone else. <laughs> and, and that seems to work. So I feel quite, I feel quite lucky that I, I can do what I want to do um, and I'm not governed by other people anymore. But mm. with that, the downside is, is you don't have your regular income coming in. Do you guys find that hand painting design furniture allows you to sell the piece at a higher price? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that, that helps make up for the fact that your productivity slows down. You're not able to sell as many pieces, but if you can sell it for a higher price, equivalent to the to the creativity that's put into it and the time and effort, then that's certainly an upside as well. That's encouraging. I think it's a confidence issue as well, Lane. I think the more that you paint and the more that you sell, the more somebody buys it, Um the more you think, well, actually, I can take my time a bit more next time and not panic so much that I need to get something finished to sell it. That This is where I'm coming from anyway at the minute. And also, I'm starting to value myself and my work more. Mm -hmm. And in turn, that equalises to, well, actually, if it takes me an extra week to finish that design, that's a one-off yeah. bespoke piece. It's going to take an extra week, but then that has to be reflected in my price. I think initially when I first started refinishing furniture, I was very much at the lower end of the market and testing it with my floral designs. And the thing is, if you're happy to do that, anybody that's listening and they're trying it out and they're just practicing and they're happy to do that, then do it. Like just get get yourself out there, get your work out there. It taking a little bit longer to sell or pricing, underpricing it, is, there are no two bad things. It's just that the more that you do it, the more confidence you get and the more you think, well, actually, next time, because we're learning every day, so next time I do something, I'm going to try a different way of doing it or I'm going to try a different way of restyling it or I'm going to try a new product or a new paintbrush or, you know, and it just gives you that breathing mm -hmm. space mm -hmm. the longer that you do it to really be confident in your work and, and what you're putting out there. What about the style of the furniture? If somebody is interested in jumping into hand painting designs on furniture, would either of you recommend a specific style or a specific piece of furniture to start out on? Oh, anything. And anything, I would say. I, I always think, gosh, if it's headed for the tip, then grab it. And, you know, it's, it's all about the sustainability and, you know, the 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 best furniture I always find is free furniture, you know, because you don't want it to end up in landfill. So I think if it inspires you and you think it's beautiful and you know you can do something amazing with it and the design will complement the piece, then do what you love. Do what you like. 
sometimes the pieces that are free are actually yeah. the easiest to work on because there's no expectation so the more you spend on a piece because you've got this confined idea yeah. of what you want to do the harder it is i've always found that the pieces that i just get given by neighbors or friends and i go well actually it's not costing me anything so fine i'll just paint it give it a whirl <laughs> give it a whirl yeah and also the different styles they naturally have different lines within them and that can dictate what you do as well. So you can look at something when you really step back from it and almost half close your eyes and look at it. You can see the panels on how that might work or I don't know, mm. every piece is different. I don't think there's one style that you can just go for. Um, over. I mean, I don't really, I, well, I don't really do mid-century because I think that's a whole different ballpark. That's not to say that I won't, but at the minute it's just not on my radar. Oh, see, I've done a lot of mid-century, not so much in the hand painting, but um, I've done a lot of geometric designs and and a lot of, you know, of the mid-century. And I'm really enjoying kind of going for, for more of the antique look furniture now. Um, yeah. and, and everything changes, you know, fashions are changing. I think mid-century is that it was so, so big a couple of years ago. And, you know, you, you kind of couldn't get hold of anything. And, you know, so I suppose you go with whatever you can get hold of. And um, and again, you know, sometimes when you're having to pay three, four hundred pounds for a sideboard and there's another one which is, you know, of a different era that's sitting there for five quid, then then actually kind of, um, you know, you've got to put your sensible hat on and think, well, hold on a minute. I can probably create something just as beautiful and 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 which will sell for a similar amount of money and you don't have to outlay as much. So, um, yeah, it cha it's changing all the time. Well, as we've discussed in this great uh, panel discussion, hand-painting furniture adds to the originality when refinishing furniture, and we love that aspect of the industry. You know, no two pieces are alike, and certainly hand-painting continues to emphasize that. So thanks for a great discussion on the topic and sharing the details about your award-winning pieces. Again, congratulations, and we hope you both have a wonderful day. Thank you very much, Lane. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine. Today's refinishing tip comes from Candy with Orchids True Blue. Hi, guys. This is Candy from Orchids True Blue. My furniture refinishing tip today is trust the process. If you follow me in my stories on Instagram, you will hear me say this a lot. I've had times where a piece really challenged me to be in the moment or to give up. These pieces really teach us more than just how to refinish furniture. They teach us about integrity and patience. I've learned the most about process and mindfulness when I let go and embrace the process at the moment of time. You have those pieces that tell you they want to be something other than what you originally envisioned. You can fight that and make them be what you want them to be, or you can work with the piece. For example, I was refinishing a desk for a client who wanted the top painted white. After sanding the piece, I discovered a beautiful mahogany surface with a lovely wood grain that resembled wings. I reached out to my client, sent them a photo, recommended a wash instead of an opaque finish. My client was thrilled. She even had an emotional connection and story about wings. I say lean in and trust the piece to help you retell its story. Great encouragement, Candy. Thanks for sharing. It's time to hear what your refinishing friends are up to. Here are a few reporting on what they're working on in their studios this week. 
Hi everyone, Deanne here with Wild Home Vintage, and this week I'm really excited to start working on a new piece that I pulled from my garage stash this weekend. I started getting it prepped, and I have some fun color ideas in mind to use on it because I just finished like two black pieces and a couple of refinished wood pieces. So I'm dying to use some color, but I'm going to have to get out in the early mornings to finish prepping it because it's pretty hot over here these days. So I'll have to get to work early. <laughs> Anyways, hope you all have a great week. Hey, it's Katie of Sincerely Katie. This week, I am busy working on a set of client-owned dressers. They are vintage Heppel White style mahogany dressers, and they are gorgeous. Uh, but like any vintage furniture, they definitely required a bit of work. So the last few days, I have been busy removing veneer and getting them prepped for paint. Uh, my client chose Melange Paints Fathom Blue, and he also asked me to leave a bit of raw wood exposed. So I am so excited to get these wrapped up um, and to share them and to get them back to him. Hi, everyone. This is Laura Cobb from Redhead Refinishings. And I just wanted to share with you what I'm working on this week. Well, if you're actually like me, you're working on multiple pieces. But my favorite one is a large French provincial basset dresser. Um, and I actually used a lot of different colors than I normally would. I try to stay neutral most of the time, but I kind of had fun with this piece and did like a turquoise blended boho look, which I think really fits the piece. So um, yeah, I was really excited to do that and show a little color. Thanks for listening. Thank you, friends. Listeners, make sure you go check out their social media feeds. Did you know, according to Stylish.com, that Art Deco furniture has been around since the early 1900s, but the term was not coined until 1968 by Historian. As you are probably aware, this art movement was international and became quite popular, taking on distinct differences from continent to continent. Stylish.com states that American Art Deco is less decorated than pieces found in Europe. However, both styles share precise lines, geometric patterns, vivid colors, and occasional lavish decor. Materials used to make Art Deco furniture were as useful and practical as the pieces function. Stronger metallic materials glorified the machine age, indicated a modern era after World War I. For example, chrome replaced gold finishes, bakelite replaced mother of pearl, and concrete replaced marble surfaces. Other materials included plastic, glass, stainless steel, mirrors, and aluminum. According to Stylish.com, waterfall furniture debuted at the Paris Colonial Exposition in 1931 and was soon picked up by manufacturers in the U.S. Initially created for bedroom sets in the mass market during the 30s and 40s, waterfall furniture is now synonymous with Art Deco furniture. All surfaces have sharp, rounded drops mimicking a running waterfall and were treated with a blonde veneer or walnut polish. Thanks to Stylish.com for the insight into Art Deco furniture. If you didn't know, well, now you do. It is summer, and that means summer vacations. After a long and hard pandemic for us all, we hope you can get away with your families and enjoy some relaxation. We thought it would be fun to highlight several exciting summer travel destinations with a few of our uniquely designed paintbrushes. We'll be featuring our brushes and pairing them up with travel destinations around the world. 
If you haven't signed up for our online newsletter, make sure you do that today so you can join in on the fun. Just go to enjoyzebra.com, scroll to the bottom, and enter your email address. We'll be sending out emails and sharing on our social media venues. We all don't have the luxury of traveling to many of these places, but we certainly can enjoy the idea. Stay tuned for our summer travel destination series. How many times have you picked up an old piece of furniture and wondered what the history was? Like, when was it designed and built? Any interesting stories about this piece? Well, some of you have been more inquisitive and taken the time to do some homework to find out more about a piece that you have refinished and its history. These are incredible stories that need to be shared. We will soon be launching a new segment on our podcast called If This Piece Could Talk. You will enjoy hearing from your fellow refinishers share about the history of a piece, whether it's about the style and how it developed, or maybe it's a sweet story about a piece of furniture built and designed for a loved one. We'll also talk to experts who will give us some insight on how to go about learning the history of a piece. As a side note, if you know the story on your piece or a piece that you refinished in the past and you think it's perfect for this segment, send Lane an email at lane at enjoyzebra.com. Stay tuned to learn when our first segment will air. This is the last day of June. Whoa, can you believe it? If you have painted any piece from January 1st of 2021 through today that incorporated textures, make sure you tag the Zebra Review so you can be entered into June's contest. When we say textures, that means incorporating different materials like molds, caning, paint additives, or wallpaper. And as well, of course, texture is created by different types of paint, like milk paint that gives you that chippy texture. We have great sponsors, Shacto Interiors Milk Paint, D-Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, and Zebra Paint Brushes. Hurry and tag your pieces. The clock is ticking and the judges are eager to begin their reviews. Are you new to the refinishing industry and looking for some feedback about your refinishing work, your staging and or your photography, or maybe you've been around for a while and you like the challenge of having your work before a panel of refinishers you highly respect? Sure, it can be intimidating to be critiqued, but it's so worth it. I mean, this is how we grow. This is how we develop our skills. We are introducing a segment to the podcast called the Furniture Council. Our council is made up of four well-respected refinishers in the industry. Fabby Brown of Blush and Ivy Design, Jen Fisher and Amanda Dingleman with the Vintage Sisters, and Kristen Litka with Shacto Interiors. We like to think of the Furniture Council as a sort of furniture American idol. You know, the singer stands on stage and sings their heart out, and then the judges encourage them and sometimes share a few things that aren't always easy to hear, but really are designed to help us in the end. The difference is, however, that we don't intend on embarrassing you. We plan to have fun in the process and help you to achieve your best. So if you have any interest in having your work before the council, email me at lane at enjoyzebra.com. You'll send images of some of your work or a specific piece to the council, and then you'll appear on our podcast as they share the good and the areas that could use some improvement. And with our council panelists, you will get worthy and helpful advice. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebra Blogs Before and After Furniture Finishing Podcast. Today's episode is also featured on thezebrablog.com along with contact information for today's guest. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share those by clicking on the podcast slide in our header at thezebrablog.com. That's zebra with an I blog.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and happy refinishing. <laughs>